Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Now, on the line with us right now is Harvard Law Professor Dr. Elizabeth Bartlett. She is the Morris Wasserstein Public Interest Professor of Law and Faculty Director of the Child Advocacy Program. Dr. Bartlett, thank you for taking your time to talk to us. How are you? I'm fine. I'm glad to talk. Now, before I get into the subject, I, as long as I have a Harvard Law professor on the line, can you give me your general reaction to what's happening with the Manafort, Gates indictment with the Papadopoulos stuff? Well, it's um, obviously enormously significant. Um, I think not only the indictments, which we had known were coming just from the, the news reports, but this guilty plea, um, again, many people had suspected somebody might be talking, uh, but clearly this is one person with significant connections to uh, many others in, in the in the Trump campaign who is talking, who's pled guilty, who's uh, you know, signed on to this affidavit and it, that was, um, I haven't read, but that was apparently filed along with the, the guilty plea. So that's going to, both the indictments and the guilty plea are going to put a lot of pressure on others to talk because if they don't talk or if they talk but don't talk honestly uh they're i mean if they don't talk but don't talk honestly they're at risk for perjury um and it's uh you know what's what's alleged in what's been pled guilty to what's alleged in the indictments um are clearly uh, contact by Trump officials with Russian officials uh, with a view to undermining the Clinton candidacy. So it's just stuff of collusion and uh, whether there's, you know, adequate proof of collusion to um, persuade people is yet to be determined because obviously um, Mueller's uh, got, a, got a ways to go, even though he's clearly done a lot. In other words, it's a mess. <laughs> it, well, it depends on your perspective. If you think there is a mess out there, um, this is evidence that Mueller is definitely uh, has a very serious investigation. He's finding the mess, and he's going to be revealing it. All right. Now, let's get into uh, uh, you are I, I admire you for all your work uh, in, in the field of child advocacy. It's, it's hard to think that UNICEF would have any negative aspect to us to it. Can you kind of explain what that might be? Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, I see myself as a as always having been a less progressive person. I believe in the what we all think of as the overall UNICEF cause of helping children throughout the world. I do actually, despite my experience with what they're doing in adoption, continue to think that they must do lots of good things. But the area I know a lot about has to do with international adoption, and there I believe along with most others who um, work on adoption issues, I believe that UNICEF is the prime uh, 
evil force out there, frankly, shutting down international adoption. And the reason I say evil is that if you look at the situation from the point of view of children who need homes, children, millions now, 10 to 14 million, who are locked into institutions, which we know from all the social and brain science are systematically destructive of children's prospects for life. Um, How how does does UNICEF get in the way of of this and and leave leave the kids in these terrible orphanages? Well, well, because they're the force for shutting down international adoption. So, you know, international adoption shouldn't be the only solution for these kids. But the fact is, in current world situation terms, the kids who are in institutions are there because the countries that have these institutions have no way of taking care of them, that the birth parents that they were either removed from uh, or who abandoned or surrendered them are not in a position to take care of them. No one else is. There are no adoptive homes for them or they'd be placed in the domestic home. So the hopes of these kids getting actual families, which is what they need. We know that institutions can't raise children right. They need families, and the hope for them getting it is an international adoption. And what UNICEF is known to be doing throughout the world is shutting down international adoption. And and they're doing that saying, well, that it's best for the kids to be adopted in their own country by by people of their own, uh, own culture, right? They say that they say it's best for kids to have some possibility of seeing their birth parents. They say birth parents are often just poor, so they shouldn't be punished for their poverty by having the kids adopted. They say kids have a sacred right to heritage, not just birth, but also national, so they should stay in their country of origin. They try to claim that um, kids could actually get some of these better solutions if they stayed in country. They could actually be returned to their families so they could find adoptive homes. I mean, even UNICEF doesn't claim that institutions are good for kids. They admit they're bad for kids, but they try to claim that something could be done, including foster care, which I think is a separate outrage because they definitely preference in-country foster care, the, the kids' country of origin, foster care, over adoption internationally. One of the things that I think... All the evidence shows that foster care is, you know, way worse for kids than adoption. One of the things that I think is missing is, you know, we we talk about the orphanages and the institutions. Some of those orphanages and institutions are terrible. I mean, we we had heard about about, uh, orphans in Vietnam that lived in an old abandoned mental health facility, Mm -hmm. sleeping on a, a marble floor. Some are torture chambers, literally. They're absolutely horrible. But, you know, it's quite typical in institutions for infants throughout the world. People say the most horrifying thing about those institutions is that typically you walk into an institution for infants, it is dead silent. The reason it's dead silent, those infants have learned that when they scream because they're hungry, because they're wet, dirty, nobody comes. So if you think as a parent, as somebody who knows anything about, you know, the social science, but just as a parent, just as somebody with some common sense understanding, what it does to a kid if they start in infancy and their natural instinct to cry when they need something isn't satisfied, and they learn that it won't be satisfied to the point that they are just quiet, they've given up. That's, you know, a sign of how destructive normal 
institutions are. Some are, you know, as I say, really torturous. There are also studies of even what are the best institutions that have shown that children do not thrive in even the best institutions, the ones that have halfway decent um, staff-child ratios and some level of personal attention. I think everybody would agree that family is kind of the best. Dr. Bartlett, can you hold on a second? We have to take a break, and we'll be back to talk to you in just a minute. Hold on. Dr. Elizabeth Bartlett, uh, who is the law professor at Harvard, talking about child advocacy. This is WILK, and we'll be right back. All right, we are back, and we've been talking to uh, Harvard Law Professor Dr. Elizabeth Bartlett. You are, you know, well-known as a child advocacy expert. When we talk about these kids that are just abandoned in orphanages internationally, what do we do? I mean, if UNICEF is out there, you know, causing problems, what's the solution, or what, what steps can we take? Well, one thing we could do, and here I want to focus on another enemy of children and international adoption, which is our own United States. Department of State. So the State Department, um, mostly people know from the newspapers and TV that it's not doing much of anything and that Secretary of State Tillerson has gotten rid of a lot of people in there. And we know, of course, that this administration is trying to undo a lot of the what the Obama administration did, but they haven't yet tried to undo the major thing I think they actually should be undoing, which is State Department policy on international adoption. So there are a couple of things that we, I, together with other child welfare advocates have been focusing on. One is legislation, one is change in personnel. So there are pending now two bills in Congress. It would be fantastically important if your audience cares about these issues and agrees with me um, if they contacted their uh, congressional representatives. There's something called the Vulnerable Children and Families Act, and there's another bill with a colloquial name of Human Rights Act, both of which are focused on changing our State Department policy so that the State Department, instead of putting up barriers to international adoption and shutting countries' international adoption programs down, would uh, take the reverse position and actually try to um, expedite and facilitate getting kids out of these institutions and into adoptive homes. So that's the legislation. If people want to know more about it, they could um, email me is the simplest way to um, have me be able to send them information about how they could be helpful in this effort. Um, the other thing is to change the personnel in the Department of State because there is um, at the moment and for many years now a woman called Trish Maskew, M-A-S-K-E-W, who has been leading the anti international adoption effort by the State Department, and she's the most influential person there right now. And again, I would think that the Trump administration <laughs> emphasis on, on undoing a lot of the Obama-era um, policy, they should focus on changing this particular aspect of the prior administration's personnel, because she is a dangerous force. And if, if, you know, she could be gotten out of there and somebody in who cares about children's rights, boy, oh boy. it would make an enormous difference. Dr. Bartlett, you have been wonderful. I appreciate the information. Thank you for all you do for children, and uh, you have a great evening. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Dr. Elizabeth Bartlett. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 